We support life. And the reason being God creates all life. God never makes a mistake. And some of you today, and those even watching online, there may be some of you that feel like your life doesn't matter, that maybe God's forgotten about you, that he messed up when he created you. That's not true. That's a lie. I'll tell you that it's a straight-out lie, because when you get to know God, you realize how much he loves you. And he loves you because he made you. Because he made you, he wants to have a relationship with you. That's incredible. Almost 8 billion people on this planet right now, God knows every thought that each of us has. He knows those who are in rebellion against him, those who hate him, those who are fighting against him, and he knows those who have a hunger for him, those that are searching for him. Man, oh man, I, um, I was listening to a, a worship song Friday night and on YouTube and on the bottom of, of the screen, they had uh, different responses from people all around the world on, on this particular song. And this caught my eye. It said, I was born a Muslim in Iraq. I was worried and depressed sitting and looking at the Tigris River in my city. Jesus' face appeared to me in the water and told me, son, you're not alone. Since then, I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ, and I pray every day. So thank you, Jesus, for your grace. I'm not alone right now. Jesus is with me. So here's a dude in Iraq, the place where Nebuchadnezzar's headquarters was. And God is still doing a work there. Aren't you glad for that? God didn't say, man, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, poof, no hope for you people. Here's a dude sitting by the Tigris River, and Jesus goes after him. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. So we, once again, see the great love of God in our world today. Not just a long time ago, but it's happening right now. How's that happening in your life? Is there movement of God in your life? We're going to go back to February 12th, 2015. ISIS was on the move in the Middle East. Something uh, dark and sinister was happening on that particular day. The um, ISIS uh, brought in uh, 21 men dressed up in orange jumpsuits on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea near the Libyan city of Sirta. 20 Egyptian men and one Ghanaian man. And prior to their beheadings, these men were working to support their families. They were kidnapped, and ISIS had them kneel on the beach with the militants standing beside them, threatening are giving them an option. You can turn from your faith in Jesus Christ, and if you do, if you renounce your faith, you'll live. We'll let you go. But these men chose to die. Each man was systematically beheaded, and there was a video of those men as they died, and 
they were praying. They caught the words that they prayed before they were killed. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's where their thoughts were. We're going to go to heaven now. And Jesus, here we come. The Ghanaian dude, Matthew Araga, was not a believer when he was initially kidnapped. And just moments before ISIS was going to kill him, they gave him an opportunity to become a Muslim, to follow Islam. And Matthew turned them down. And after reportedly witnessing the immense faith of the Egyptian believers, those 20 men that he had hung with, he decided himself to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And so on camera, one of the terrorists asked Matthew, do you reject Jesus Christ? And he responded, their God is my God. And he became one of the 21 who laid down their lives for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we mentioned last week, we are, as followers of Jesus in our world today, there's a call going out that we should be in the world but not of the world. There should be something different about us. And when you look at these 21 men, their faith, just think how you would respond, you know, kneeling, having an option to live, or choosing to stand for Christ and die, and know that dying will bring you into the very presence of God. Today is not a day to go hiding with your faith, because let me tell you something, the world is looking for what's authentic, what's real. They're looking for people with integrity, and um, we have that opportunity. Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he set messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the work that you're doing around the world, Lord. We are grateful that you are God. You have everything under control. And as your followers, we get to carry you wherever we go to present you to the people around us. As we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego today, Lord, we thank you for their example. And may we, today, 2023, reflect you well to the people that you've brought into our lives to influence for the kingdom of God. Because we're here 
on purpose and for a purpose and help us to follow that well. In Jesus' name, amen. Debbie McDaniel um, wrote just a quick article this past week, and I thought it, you know, it resonated. She said, this world can be a dark place. Sometimes it's hard to see light and hope in the midst of all the suffering and pain that surrounds us. Just this year, we've seen incredible evil take many innocent lives. We've seen terrorist attacks and heard rumors of war. We've seen hurricanes and natural disasters wreak havoc in different places around the globe. Top news headlines reveal constant struggles, pain, and brokenness that people everywhere are facing, and maybe you're facing it too. And I want to just pause for a moment. Maybe that's you. You can identify with what she's writing about. You've been carrying a lot of pain. You've been carrying a lot of brokenness. She continues, our own personal losses and hardship remind us that this life is far from perfect. Yet as believers, we can be grateful that this world is not all we have. Just like those 21 men in Libya. This world wasn't everything they had. We have the very hope of heaven in our hearts. God's words are true, every single one. And he is faithful to bring them all to pass. He never tells us to live in fear, worry, or dread of what's to come. But he does remind us to live aware, not to be surprised, to be wise and watchful. That's true. So we don't have to be alarmed because he told us ahead of time what to expect. Did you notice that? We know from his word in Mark thirteen seven, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. What we can expect and why we shouldn't be surprised. I like what she had to say because just like in Daniel 3, in the book of Daniel, God gives us a picture into the future. He did it back 2,600 years ago. And when you read the Gospels and the New Testament today, you see the same messages being presented that Jesus is coming back. And I don't know about you, but there's times, man, I, I, I become weary of bad things happening. Don't you? Yeah, it's like, it's, it's continuous, bad after bad after bad. And you think, oh, God. When are you going to do something, you know? You see innocent people suffer. Bad things happening to good and bad people both. There's coming a day when Jesus comes back again, he will be the judge of the world. And he will make all things right. And people that think they can get by with doing their own thing and being evil... And even destroying other people's lives, there is a day when they will pay. Because God records everything. And he is waiting. Just like this dude in Iraq who was sitting by the Tigris River, man. Jesus went to him because he loved him. Jesus is moving throughout the world. Beckoning people, calling people to put their trust in him. We have this great freedom to be in church today. It's so easy to become, you know, just a routine. It's just something I do. Instead of drilling down into the privilege and the the opportunity to grow closer to Jesus and let him move in our lives. 
That's what he wants. And so we, we realize, even as we celebrated communion today, and we celebrate, we remember what Jesus did on the cross until he comes. He's coming. He's coming. And you've heard it, and it's easy to become, yeah, I've heard that before, but we need to keep it on the front of our mind and look forward to his coming. Yesterday, I had a Dave Ogren called me, and we were talking about world events. And just he says, "What is your take on what's going on?" So we had this conversation, and I'm sure you've had conversations like that. I said, "I don't know. I'm, I, I listen to this resource. I listen to this resource, but at the end of the day, only God knows." And so we live for him and we trust him. And that's where Daniel and his three buddies, man, going all the way to Babylon from Jerusalem, going from Israel to Iraq back in the day, they stayed true in their walk with Jesus Christ, with Almighty God. And uh, we too get to have that opportunity. And so, real quick, going over your outline. Number one, God's great kingdom. In other words, uh, (laughs) stuff is coming and going. Have you noticed? Yeah, stuff that you thought would always be here, it's coming and going, but God's kingdom will never go away. That's why it's a great kingdom. His kingdom will never end. Number two, Daniel and his band of brothers got promoted. We saw that on the tail end of chapter two. Number three, time can change things. Verse 47, truly, Nebuchadnezzar says, your God, Daniel, is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Nebuchadnezzar was fired up momentarily because God gave Daniel the answer to Nebuchadnezzar's nightmare or dream. And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar realized, hey, I'm king of Babylon, I'm the world power of the day, but I realize it's your God that gave you the answer. So there was some movement inside of Nebuchadnezzar. But because nothing seemed to happen from that dream, the, the gold head being taken away, Nebuchadnezzar was still the king after 16 years. And so he started rationalizing, maybe that wasn't the answer to my dream. I'm the king and I will always be the king and Babylon will always be here. So it went to his head and God became a distant memory. That's that's something that is so easy for each one of us, man. We can wander. We can lose our perspective on what's really important in our world. And we have to be careful that we don't drift over time, but that we continue to walk with the Lord one day at a time, day after day. Number five, the invitation to the dedication, verse two, three. Do we do four? No, see, my Evelyn Wood speed reading has already, you know, kicked in there. 
Number four, looking at the plain of Dura, verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 27 feet right here. So you can keep going. Three times of that. Nine feet wide, set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar had an ego problem. (laughs) That's how he saw himself. He might have been six feet tall, but in his dream, he was 90 feet tall. And he thought everybody in the world should think he was the greatest thing since apple pie. Number five, the invitation to the dedication. So he builds this statue. And, of course, it's interesting because next to the statue, he had to melt the gold down to to, uh, cover this thing of him. And so he decides, I'm going to keep the furnace here because I'll use it as a form of intimidation to all the leaders of the world when they come and they bow down to me. So he kept it there. He didn't have his team dismantle this furnace, you know, to clean up the area. No, he kept it there as a force of intimidation. And so, verses 2 and 3, he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They all got invitations. We don't know how, but they got the invitations. And the known world of that day, all the leaders were invited to come to Babylon. And we see in chapter 2 that this statue that's with the gold working its way down to the iron and the clay Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this thing all gold, man. It's going to be from top to bottom, all gold. And, uh, you know, we, we, as I mentioned last week, we all have a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in all of us, don't we? Because we get offended, we get our feelings hurt. If we don't get our way, we pout, you know. We want to prove that I want to do it my way. We take the basketball and go play by ourselves because nobody else wants to play it the way we want to. You know, it's my way or no way. That was Nebuchadnezzar. And um, if you don't find your identity and security in Jesus Christ, guess what? Your pride will get the best of you. As a follower of Jesus, knowing that I've been adopted into God's family, that he loves me to the max, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Listen, we're not perfect when we recognize that, but when our identity is in Jesus Christ, I believe it's easier to let the water fall off our back instead of getting huffy and puffy about it and get your feelings hurt because we're trying to protect our identity when when people attack us. But if I know God loves me, he's adopted me, I know where I'm going, I'm good with that. And that gives you a sense of security. Your identity is in Christ. Nebuchadnezzar never allowed that to happen. And so he had to keep proving, you know, how wonderful he was, which was pretty sad when you think about it. Because here comes number six, surprise, here's the real reason you're here. Four, verse four, then a herald shouted, 
Now we know why you're here. (laughs) This is not a mini vacation. This is going to be a worship service, man. You get to bow down before the king. And he says, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you, anyone who refuses to obey will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. And so the orchestra man had been warming up for a long time. They had six months of training. They had a sound good, you know, in the sound system. They were going out to the plain of Dura. They brought all of their instruments. They were set up. And there was a reason why they were there. Because when the music started, boom. We'll talk more about that. It's not a dedication service. It's a worship service. You're here to tell, bow down before the king and his statue, whether you want to or not. Because if you have any idea that you want to do your own thing, uh, there's a furnace that's blazing, and you could feel the heat. So uh, make your decision. Just like those 21 men in Libya, they had that same option. The music started, and what were they going to do? Renounce their faith in Christ or be willing to lay their lives down? To him. Well, I am grateful that those men set a good example for all of us. And so we see that this crowd was really accustomed to worshiping false gods, and so they didn't really have a problem with it. And you and I, if we read our Bibles, we recognize that there's only one God, and he alone is the one that's worthy to be worshiped and bow down to, not our culture. Not what's most popular, but we bow down to him and him alone. Number seven, let the music begin. Verse seven, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, I find that interesting, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. There is something about music, isn't there? I remember back in the day, you know, listening to certain uh, musicians and lyrics, and I realized when I started listening and and looked into the lyrics that I was listening to, it, it was it, it was impacting me, you know, my attitude, what I thought about, and God began to challenge me on those things, and. So now I am very intentional about what I listen to when it comes to music. How about you? We see that music is a way, it was created by God for God. In Revelation 15, I saw before me what seemed to be a glass sea mixed with fire, and on it stood all the people who had been victorious over the beast. We talked about the Antichrist last week. If you weren't here, you want to pull back on that. And his statue. The beast had a statue, just like Nebuchadnezzar had a statue. Isn't it interesting? And the number representing his name, they were all holding harps that God had given them. So there's a harp closet 
in heaven. <laughs> and I get it, man. You know, the dudes, you think, man, harps are for women, you know? Uh, give me a drum, man, not a harp, right? That's what we want. I, I tell you something, man. If, if God gives me a harp, you know it's going to be cool, right? <laughs> it's going to be cool. It's going to be all right. So, so they were holding harps that God had given them, and they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous. You know, they weren't just humming it. Huh? They were putting their diaphragm into it. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God. The Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Music. Read the Bible and you'll find there's a lot of music going on in heaven. Right? There's a lot of music going on up there. So we might as well get used to it down here. That's why we love to sing. That's why we come in on Sundays and Wednesdays to worship together, corporately. Because it's a little bit of heaven on earth. Yeah. So we look at Joshua 6 when they were marching around the walls of Jericho. It says that the the seven priests had ram's horns and they were blowing their horns. And on the seventh day, verse 16, the, the priests sounded the long blast on their horns and Joshua commanded, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Music. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Okay? Praise him with the lyre and the harp. There's the harp again. Praise him with the tambourines and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. That's where the guys get excited right there. <laughs> Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Woo! Music is influential. Let the music begin. Nebuchadnezzar had picked the songs that he wanted played by this orchestra. And he knew that it would influence them. Not to stand up, but to bow down. Music is very influential. What's interesting in verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue. That King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, so it was kind of like a worship or burn deal. You know, you worship this or you burn. The Hebrew is interesting. It says, as soon as they were hearing, they were falling. So as soon as the music started, let the music begin. Boom! Everybody's on their face. Hmm. It's kind of like they had a race to see who would hit the ground first, you know, to impress the king. That, that, that was their mindset. And... Uh, friend... Can I just say that the music has begun in our world today and our culture wants everyone to bow down to what everybody else is doing and their expectations they have on you? Hmm? The music has started. 
The furnace has been heated up, you know, that intimidating factor. You do this or this is going to happen. And so the church, the problem with the church, and this is a general statement in America because last, last week, a church leader that most of you would recognize his name has been compromised. And that's one of those things again, man, you think, come on, come on. But the music has started, and even church leaders are bowing down to make people around them happy. How do we know that the church is bowing down? A national survey found, we came across this two weeks ago on a Wednesday night. 62% of Americans claim they are deeply spiritual. How how would that impact your life if you say, I'm deeply spiritual? When they asked how the spirituality affects their decision-making, 31% said they make moral choices based on what feels right and comfortable. Almost a third. What's cozy, man? 18% of whatever is best for me. See, it's about me. My spirituality is about me. I, my feelings, what I want. 14% on whatever causes the least conflict with others. That's becoming very popular today, by the way. When we say, everybody, all roads lead to heaven because we don't want to offend anybody. Do you ever get offended when the doctor says, uh, put acid in your, in your mouth to clean your teeth? How many would do that? Well, the doctor said so. I don't think so. There's only one way to brush your teeth, and that's with toothpaste. Right? So what's the big deal, man? You put gas in your car. You can't put water, Kool-Aid. It's not going to work. What, you can be exclusive on everything else, but when it comes to your faith in Jesus, oh, no, no, no. You know? I don't want to hurt your feelings, man. Come on. There's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ. 14% said whatever causes the least conflict with others. And finally, only 16% of what God's word says. What's going on? Friends, this is not a biblical worldview. If you have a biblical worldview, when you read your Bible, that 16% should be more, huh? should be elevated there. That should be influencing your decisions and how you live your life. It's not about you. It's not making other people feel cozy, rosy. It's presenting the truth, man. Heaven, hell, you get to decide. Jesus provided a free gift for you to go to heaven. Well, as followers of Christ, we need to ignore the sirens that are going off in the world today. Mark Batterson wrote, the gospel costs nothing. We cannot buy it or earn it. It can only be received as a free gift, compliments of God's grace. So it costs nothing, but it demands everything. Those 21 men in Libya found that to be true. And that is where most of us get stuck, spiritual no man's land. We're too Christian to enjoy sin, too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. 
We want everything God has to offer without giving anything up. We want to buy in without selling out. So how is it in your life? Where would you land on this survey? If you call yourself spiritual, how would that impact the decisions you make? And finally, number eight, but (laughs) all the people, you know, all the people are bowing, but here's a but, look at the three. Aren't you glad for the three? We had 21 in Libya. We have three in Babylon. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king! (laughs) You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of all those instruments and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. That furnace over there, by the way. But there are some Jews... There are some Jews, anti-Semitic, right there. They used it 2,600 years ago, but there are some Jews. They didn't say there are some astrologers, some wise men like us. No, there are some Jews. They, they put the star David on them. They identified them. Mm-hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. See, they got their violins out. They don't even get the ball out. Aren't you sad? Very emotional presentation to the king. That word inform, by the way, literally means to eat the pieces of them. There was, there was hatred toward these men. They were slandering them, which gives a form of hostility. They were waiting for 16 years payback, man. They had their pictures, these three guys, pictures on their refrigerator. One day we will get back. They took my office. Now, when they're gone, I'll get to get my office back again. See, there was that... Grudge, you know, those grudges, bitterness. Boy, they really do a good thing on all of us, don't they? They keep you wise and healthy. No, these guys couldn't even eat spaghetti. They had to eat cottage cheese because their stomachs were always churning, you know? I hate those people. You know, it's a sad thing. They were informed. My mind, as John Erickson mentioned, Corey Ten Boom, the Ten Boom family hiding the Jews in their home at the risk of dying themselves. And because they were God's people, that's how the Ten Boom family looked at them. They needed to be protected, even at risk of their own lives. Somebody informed on them. Somebody snitched on them. When Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, he was betrayed by one of his own disciples. What does he pray on the cross? Father, get back at them. Nuke them. No, no. He said, Father, forgive them. What did the ten booms do, man, when they were carted off to concentration camps? Father, forgive whoever turned us in. That's pretty profound, isn't it, friend? 
I don't think it's fun to be betrayed, to be informed on. But there you have it. We have a cool verse here, Psalm 119, 143. I read this about two weeks ago. Check this out. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego landed. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Isn't that cool? So if you're finding stress and pressure coming down on you, which it's understandable in the world we're living in, when the chaos comes my way, I will choose to praise. That's a good response. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. It's like those 21 dudes in Libya. Those three, look at those three. I want to bring this up, friend, because this encourages me too. Just like that dude in in Iraq who saw an image of Jesus in the Tigris River. Jesus is moving today. This gives me hope. In Congress a couple weeks ago, Mike Johnson was elected as a Speaker of the House. I don't care, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever the case may be, if somebody's vocal about their faith in Christ, right? He said, I don't believe there are any coincidences in this matter like this. Now, if you do your homework and find out the circumstances that how he got that position, you would say it's a God thing. And he recognized that. I believe that scripture and the Bible is very clear that God is the one who, that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And I believe God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment and this time. This is my belief. Political strategists responded, you don't see too many politicians these days that talk about their faith like this. This dude is very vocal. He's not intimidated with the furnace burning over here. He is is being assaulted, friend, by the media today. Because of his faith, his boldness with his faith in Jesus Christ. He could have bowed down like everybody else, man, in Washington, D.C. I'll just keep it to myself, you know. I'll just, God knows I love him. He said... I love Psalm 37. I would call that my life's passage, the whole psalm. It's great, and it's so applicable to these times. In fact, he said, I was in the congressional chapel. Let's check this out. The congressional chapel. There it is. I know it's blurry. Somebody must have jumped when they took the picture. But that's Washington, that's George Washington in the middle of that stained glass, and he's kneeling and praying. That's the congressional chapel in the Senate building. And he said, I go there every morning, and there's a big Bible on the desk. 
I opened it to Psalm 37, and I rested there because I found great solace there. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 34, put your hope in the Lord, travel steadily along his path. Friend, I have to say, there's a lot of strange, bad things going on in our country right now, but this gives me hope that God is still pouring his grace and his mercy out on our nation. For the Speaker of the House, and he's bringing people in with him, I'm going to the I'm going to the congressional chapel every morning before everything starts, and I'm going to seek God's face for his wisdom. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. Yes, Lord. We need more people like that. We need more people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not to bow their knee, but to stand up with the blazing furnace going on right next to you. On the bottom of your notes, conviction or compromise? You circle where you're landing this morning, will you? Conviction or compromise? Because we know the furnace is being heated up to bow to our culture. Or will you stand? That's your decision.